AJ Jones. Yes, sir. How are you? I love you. I love it when you call me sir. Okay, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about this week. It was a good week, wasn't it? We had uh, John and Carol here for a lot of the week. And if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to their podcast last week, stop what you're doing, go listen to their podcast and come back. Yes. If you want to, I'm not trying to boss you around. But kind of. But kind of. (laughs) So we had them sing, which was fun. Yes. With memories of when we used to live with them. It was so good. It was so chilled out. It was days filled with tech support and... Coffee. Coffee and... A lot of coffee. Visioneering. Yes. In fact, we knew probably what it was going to be like, so we took Tuesday off of work. Yes. And spent the day wandering around restaurants, coffee stores, Apple stores. Downtown Franklin. He tried to get me to go to the Tesla store. He did. Which was an exercise in futility. Yes. Because I don't have $80,000 to spend on an electric sports car. That is correct. Um, <laughs> did we eat anywhere special with him? We went to Gray's. We um, went to the Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory. We sat out on the patio at the Cheesecake Factory. It was such a nice meal. Mm, it was gorgeous to get a view of the Cool Springs car park. I mean, that's yeah. luxury. You I can't mean, buy a view like you, that. I mean, yeah. Those Fords and, you know, Chryslers. Wow. Um, I got a haircut. You did get a haircut. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. Haircuts are a source of friction in my life. Like, just going to have to get a haircut's a hassle. You think that you getting a haircut, like, takes a lot of time? Mine isn't a hassle. I really enjoy it, but it takes a long time. Yeah, I don't enjoy it when you go away for a weekend. Like, you're like, I'm going to get my haircut, and you're like, camping I'll see you Monday. And then I'm left with the kids for four days. <laughs> but I have fantastic hair. But so. last year, you do. Last yeah. year, I bought 12 months worth of haircuts in advance. You did. Without checking with me. <laughs> it was so stupid. But I'm actually really glad I did it. And here's Are why. You? Well, it just removes the, f- it's one less friction step in getting your haircut. But I'm not convinced that you go often enough that you've made it worth well, the amount of money we spent. They never end. Oh, you have a certain amount yeah, of them rather than amount. a year's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. They give you 12 haircuts. Oh. And I don't get my haircut every month. Although I probably should because my hair grows ridiculously long. I kind of like it when it's like, Fluffy and carefree. Really? No. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think that you thought that. I just thought it'd be funny to say. I really like that shirt on you. (laughs) Forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the big event this week. Yes. Well, there was a couple. Mother's Day today. Mother's Day. Mother's Day in America. For our UK listeners, you might be like, what? Yes. Mother's Day here. Yes. And in Canada. Is it? Yes. Did you call your mother? Not yet. Wow, there's still plenty of time. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> she's not going to bed until like three in the morning. <laughs> now I'm going to put, cook those pork chops first. <laughs> My mother likes to stay up late and she usually does. eat pork at strange hours. <laughs> we, we got should, loads of time. <laughs> we should redeem that description of your mother. Yes. There's amazing things to say about your mom. Yes. The fact that she stays up late and eats pork at about midnight, while true, is not the most amazing thing we could say it's about her. It's true. It's one of her... Uh, eccentricities is that how you'd say it? I don't know. I don't speak Canadian. Eccentricities. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Third time's the charm. <laughs> Making up words. <laughs> so we had Mother's Day, mm-hmm. and then our good friends and the former producer of the show, yes, Blake Strand <gasps> and Elena Williams, got engaged. Yay! Which we're very very excited. We're so excited, and we get to do the wedding. Yes, we're so excited. I know, I'm very excited. I don't know if you saw my Instagram, you may or may not have, but Blake and Elena surreptitiously dropped off a box of donuts 
from Five Daughters Bakery. They did. Which, you know, if you give me five donuts, I'll pretty much do anything that's legal. Or <laughs> really? borderline legal, to be honest. And they were so sweet. They just said, you know, we'd be honored if you'd do our wedding. And what they don't know was the day before I had just said to AJ, you know, Blake and Elena getting married is so awesome. I kind of secretly hope that they ask us to do the wedding. And yes. then the very next day they sent us a beautiful card. So it's congratulations, true. guys. You're amazing. We're so excited. And possibly the cutest couple in the world. Oh, they're so adorable. They're absolutely. And he was wearing a bow tie the other night. And she was, was wearing that cute little. Kind of 50s classic. Oh, stunners. Audrey Hepburn kind of looking thing. Guys, you don't need to worry. I've already photoshopped what your children look like. And they look amazing. <laughs> they're fantastic. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> But they come on, out wearing bow ties. <laughs> while we're on the topic of people getting engaged, the other big event we had this weekend was we had a wedding. We did. John and Hope got married, which was fantastic. It was beautiful. It was on this private farm. and There was a donkey that went, <laughs> all the time. It was that loud. It's true. Um, it, was worse during, it was worse during the rehearsal than it was. Mm-hmm. at the wedding he only made that noise once and it was when the music was on it was just during worship just sweet intimate time of praising jesus and a donkey just it would have been way worse it. if the worship wasn't happening though louder no i i thought it was sound of drowned out anyway it was a great wedding it was fantastic very very beautiful and uh and then the reception and everything was there as well in uh, the and barn astonishingly and good food really good food you know, wedding food is hit or miss because it's hard to provide excellent food for 100 or so guests. Right. But my gosh, was that amazing, exceptional food. It was really good. Yeah. And then the dancing was good. I'd left by then. I know. What's my golden rule for being at weddings? Uh, eat and leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that not it? That's nicely summarized. It's bring another car so you can leave and I can stay and be social. Mm-hmm. Except for me. Mine is eat, dance party the night away and then leave yeah but see i'm not a good dancer that is not true you are a good dancer i think you've been smoking drugs true Mm -mm, or false not true i think you can groove your inner groove it just needs to come out do you remember when we did ballroom dancing lessons together yeah it was your crazy idea of fostering intimacy in marriage yeah who would want that <laughs> no, I want the intimacy in marriage. I just don't want to be forced to go do things I don't want to have to move. <laughs> well, the worst thing about ballroom dancing lessons, despite the fact we had an amazing ballroom dance teacher, is the room is surrounded in mirrors. It's so true. you look utterly foolish the whole time. I mean, there's I th- very few men that look good doing the foxtrot. I disagree. I think men that can ballroom dance very handsome that's your key my point is there's very few men who can actually ballroom dance but if you do lessons you could ah yeah but it's a very slow process with a minuscule reward of even being one of those people who can look good doing it babe i think that tony would agree that you learned very quickly see i think you're so encouraging you're equal parts encouraging and delusional (laughs) i loved our ballroom dancing lessons Mm -hmm. they were fun Mm-hmm. So given that we've been, we're sort of in this season of weddings, we have another one in two weeks time that we're super excited about, and the, the one that was yesterday, and then one in a couple of months, we uh, thought we might talk about uh, getting hitched and uh, marriage and just little bits of advice and um, musings. Muse away. I shall muse. 
Well, we were, we, as we were preparing for yesterday, um, for John and Hopes, we often think, you know, first of all, there's not much point in giving an actual sermon at a wedding. Oh, like you mean the address to the bride and groom? Yes, because they hear you like Charlie Brown's teacher. They're not, you know, they're not going to remember a thing unless it's been videotaped. I don't remember what John and Carol said at ours. I don't either. I remember that he poked you in the stomach or in the chest with the microphone and you started manifesting. I thought I was going to fall over. Yeah. Well, I think what was the funniest part for me was at the end of our wedding is you thought you hadn't manifested. And when you look at the video, no, you're like, I knew I'd manifested. I just didn't think it was that noticeable. Oh, it was noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to your point, I don't remember a thing John and Carol said. Yeah. And I, I think if we'd go back and ask all the people we've done weddings for, they wouldn't have a clue what we no, said. They won't remember. So, really, you're talking to the married people that are sitting there. You're sort of reminding them, hey, this is what you were doing when mm-hmm. you stood up here. And probably to the single people, hey, this is what marriage is about because you're not going to retain whatever you get on your day. Right. Don't you figure? What were the things that we say? Well, we kept it pretty short. We did five, didn't we? Did we did five little pieces. You said, yeah, marriage is designed to kill you. You could hear everybody go, wait, are we at a wedding or a funeral? <laughs> Why is she starting with something negative? But that's the truth. It is the truth. It's designed, you know, well, they they say it's designed to grind, but... <laughs> Maybe, are we ever designed to grind? <laughs> kind of, in more ways than one. Um, but it, it does. It, you, you see all the things in you that you wish were not there because they come up because you're living in somebody else's space the whole time. But see, I don't think that's what happens. Oh. I think it takes a wise person to realize that it's your stuff coming up. I think when you're immature in your marriage, when... Like, so I remember being frustrated at you for X, and I remember thinking, oh, this isn't my problem. This is AJ's problem. If she just stopped doing X, I wouldn't get angry. Uh, so I'm the wise one in this scenario? Well, I'm pretty sure you thought the same <laughs> thing, but flipped, didn't you? I mean, it, it doesn't until later dawn on you that you're like, oh, actually, I could just change my behavior so their behavior no longer works on me. Yes. I think it's only like a year six you realize, oh, all my nagging hasn't changed this person. Therefore, I need to find a better solution. But I think it's kind of both and. we You come into marriage and you both have stuff. No, 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 no. I totally agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying the perception of the dynamic. Right. I don't think you get married and think, man, I'm really messed up. Gosh, I'm overreacting to all these things my wife is innocently doing. I think you think, man, if only my wife wouldn't do X, then I wouldn't get angry. But the issue isn't whether you're doing X or not. The issue is whether I have an anger problem. Yes. But I do remember thinking, gosh, I never realized I was this selfish. Like whenever it would come down to making a plan for anything, I realized I'm I'm really used to running my life. That's true too. Yeah. And so I I was having like for the first year continual revelations of how selfish I am in terms of I want to be able to do what I want to do and I want you to do what I want to do which is selfishness. Yeah, you were so selfish. Thanks, baby. I was so patient. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on. So what's the solution to marriage designed to kill you? Well, it's the solution is to go after your own stuff. And I think we practice, we said practice self-change instead of spouse change. Wow. So deal with your own stuff and then uh, let God take care of your spouse. I remember Chester Kilfra saying to us, or saying to me, Alan, if you don't like the wife you have, change the way you treat her. Yeah. Which was brilliant. It is brilliant. All right, what was number two? 
Number two was your point, so I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Number two was that brilliant line from Chip Judd. Remember he said the goal of marriage is to see who can outserve the other. Yeah. Make your make your marriage about who can outserve the other. You made a great point when we were talking about this. You said serving one another keeps the focus on the right person in the marriage. Yeah. That's brilliant. Thanks. Would you go get me a cup of sweet tea? Sure, baby. Right after we're done this podcast. Oh, so you're such a good server. Thanks. That was a test. Number three <laughs> was Jeff Dollar's killer line. Yes. It was he who apologizes first wins. There's a little bit of an emphasis on he there, darling. <laughs> well, I must have been the Holy Spirit because I didn't mean to do that. Let's make it gender neutral. <laughs> he or she who apologizes first wins. And that's back to the would you rather be right or have relationship? Yeah. I'd rather have both and. I'd rather be right and have a relationship. Right. Is that but an option? That's not, that wasn't really behind door number one or two. <laughs> Stupid wisdom. <laughs> number four. Number four was the whole thing about, you know, often when we're doing marriage counseling with people, it's usually the complaint is, I'm not getting my needs met. Right. Like, I have rights, and they're not being met. Right. And to be sure, there are rights, and there are responsibilities in Scripture laid out for a good marriage. Right, but thinking in terms of rights is down to selfishness again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's that whole thing of, you know, wives submit to your husband, mm-hmm. and husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. Right. So for a man, it's your quote-unquote right to have your wife submit to you. Right, and for a woman, it's your quote-unquote right to be loved loved like Christ loved the church. But actually, we don't get to demand that we get our rights. That's that's appropriate for a two-year-old who stamps her fist down. That's correct. Or stamps her foot down. And even then, they'd end up on the naughty stair. They would. Yeah. And the goal is actually, (laughs) let's forget whether I'm having a wife that submits to me, and let me just focus on whether I'm loving her like Christ loved the church. Right. That whole verse about, you know, wives submit to your husband is interesting because the verse preceding it says submit yourself one to another. Right. Number five, what was your fifth point? It was about three chords. Three corded strand. We talked about, is it from Ecclesiastes 4 verse 2, uh, where, it, where it says uh, a, a Cord of three strands cannot be broken. So it was about keeping Jesus in the center of your marriage, that there's you, there's your spouse, and there's Jesus. And if you spend time on your relationship with God, that is time spent well on your marriage because it will strengthen your marriage. All right, I've got some listeners questions for you. Okay. That have nothing to do with marriage or relationships. Oh, okay. Brandon said, I feel like I'm stepping into the role or ministry of a prophet but I'm not having the hesitation I hear that you guys and most other people have. Is that a good thing? Does it mean anything? How do I begin to navigate those waters? Gosh, I I guess I'd have a bunch of questions about that. It sort of depends on how you're defining the role of a prophet and what you mean by you're stepping into it. Are other people calling you into it and calling you up to it? Or Bear in mind, we don't know you, we don't know your situation, we don't know your church background, so we're speaking entirely theoretically. And so... um, Take what's helpful and throw away the rest. I like to rely on the wisdom that I heard from John Paul Jackson. He said, if you have to tell people what you are, people will never believe you. 
But if other people tell you what you are, you'll never be able to convince them otherwise. Right. So in my life, I have only met a handful of people who knew at the outset that were called to prophetic ministry and actually are. The rest of the people I know who are in prophetic ministry kind of had to be called into it. Even some of the most amazing prophets I know, it was kind of a wrestle and a struggle. And I don't think the wrestle and the struggle is a prerequisite for prophetic ministry. But what I've noticed is a lot of people along my life's journey who have introduced themselves to me as, hi, I'm a prophet, really or not. They're um, people maybe with a genuine prophetic gift. But for example, in the six years that I've been at Grace Center, we've had probably four or five people who've shown up at Grace Center and announced that they are um, God sent them to Grace Center as a prophet. And we're like, well, maybe he has, but could we at least get to know you? And usually these people are incredibly reckless. They haven't had a strong track record in their prophetic gifting. Fairly wounded. You're fairly wounded. You know, could probably do with some help. So my my advice in in any sort of ministry, forget prophetic ministry, is in Proverbs it says a gift makes way for its giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. What that means is your gift will make room for you. So a lot of the prophets I know, they just got on with being something other than being a prophet, and their gift, their anointing made room for themselves. So congratulations, like if you're not wrestling with the call, if you're not frustrated with the call, that's brilliant. There's a huge difference between the call and the commission, however. I think it was John Sanford that said, on average, it takes about 14 years for a prophet to mature into their calling. Like, that sucks. I remember reading that and thinking, are you kidding? It's going to take 14 years before I'm going to move into what I feel like God's calling me into. So, you know, I remember the first time I met Gary Morgan, who's one of our dear friends and, uh, you know, a really well-recognized prophet in, in many different nations. And I met him for the first day, and he was he was an enigma to me because here was somebody who was clearly anointed but didn't wrestle with any of the baggage of being anointed. And I remember, you know, I'd spent a couple of hours with him. I asked him every question I could think of. And as we were leaving the restaurant, I kind of pulled him aside and quietly said, hey, so do you do you wrestle with the thought that you're a prophet? He's like, no, I, I'm totally at ease with that. I said, but do you understand your call, your sphere of influence, your dimension. He's like, no, I just, I'm content to be, you know, a minister of the heart of God to everyone I meet. And I remember Isabel Allen, another great prophetess, just an amazing um, mom in the faith and a dear friend of ours, somebody we greatly respect. She said, don't worry about whether you're a prophet or not. Just exercise your gift and your gift will take you where you need to go. Find a great place to serve and don't be um, preoccupied, not that I get from your question that you're preoccupied, so please don't hear me say that, but resist the temptation to prove that you're a prophet. And and resist the temptation to promote yourself. Let other people promote you. Right. Your gift will absolutely make room for you. You, you just can't hide your gifting. I just even remember in my old church that we didn't have space for prophetic ministry. We didn't recognize you know, apostolic or prophetic ministry at all. And I was just completely hidden. I, you know, I wasn't walking in my gift per se. I mean, I was having dreams and I was having visions and the Lord was speaking to me privately. And then one day, one of the elders in my church, you know, really one of the pastors in the church came up to me and just said, hey, what do you think God's called you to? And I was thinking, man, if you knew what God's called me to, you'd kick me out of your church. 
And yet the Lord just said, well, why don't you just trust your leaders and just open up your heart and tell them what you think? And so I'm, you know, really, really shy and thinking this is never going to work. But in doing so, you know, as as they approached me and said, what do you think God's called you to? And I began sharing the inklings of my heart. You know, they they confirmed it to me. They're like, hey, we don't know much about what you're talking about, but we do know that you love Jesus and we do know that you hear his voice. That was huge for a church that traditionally was it's steeped amazing. in cessationism. So by all means, just thank God that you have clarity and direction. But there's so much more to being a prophet than prophesying. And I would really encourage you to work on those things, work yeah. on things like people skills, you know, working with leaders, um, not being weird. Yeah. It's get, weird enough that you know the secrets in. of people's hearts. Yeah, get plugged being in. And, and, and don't be a loose cannon, because that's the kind of stuff that gives the prophetic a bad name, too. So get plugged in. And if there's anything that, that God's talking to you about in terms of your heart and things that he's going after, deal with them real quick so that your filter's you know, clean and ready to go. And then also get lots of training from yeah. lots of different streams. Yeah. I hope that helps. And I hope you're taking comfort that we don't actually know you. So if we've said anything that has hurt your feelings, I'm so sorry that wasn't our intent at all. It wasn't. <laughs> all right, darling, some closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. We have more conference this weekend. So excited. Graham Cook and uh, Jonathan David and Melissa Helser coming to lead worship. It's going to be amazing. So exciting. I appreciate this is only going to apply to a small subsection of our listeners, so forgive me. But if you're planning on coming to the conference, we're really looking forward to seeing you. We have sold two different types of tickets, main auditorium ticket holders. They are completely sold out. These seats guarantee you a seat in the main auditorium, provided you are there on time. If you have not taken your seat 15 minutes before each session starts, your seat will be given away to somebody who's waiting in standby. To be eligible to be on our standby list, you need to have a video overflow ticket. That ticket guarantees you a seat in our video overflow rooms, but also makes you eligible to wait in line for standby seats should some people not show up for their main auditorium seats. If you can't join us in person, we will be streaming the sessions live. If you go to musthavemore.com, you can find out how to sign up for that process. And we are really, really looking forward to this conference. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. One other closing thought is next week will be our 52nd episode of Keeping Up With The Joneses. Amazing. That means we will have been podcasting for a year. Wow. We should do something fun. Like what? I don't know, some sort of giveaway or some sort of something. Okay, let's think of something by next week. All right, well, we hope you have an incredible week. Join us if you can for the More Conference. Go to musthavemore.com for all the details. Our applications for our School of Supernatural Life are still open. June 15th is the deadline to have your application, and we would love it if you would consider coming and spending eight months with us. We would love nothing more than to train you and equip you and release you into your destiny, which we will be talking about destiny next week.